Yahweh, Abba, thank you, Father, for the time that I have to share with my brothers and sisters and the things that you share with me, blessing me with them so that I can bless others, Father God, as I've asked you. Bless me to bless others, Father God. And in doing so, I am so filled with blessing from your love, your grace, and your mercy that I share this word of truth, Father, the gospel of you, the gospel of your only begotten Son, Father God, for your glory, for the glory of Jesus Christ. Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Parakritos, Aman. Brothers and sisters, good morning. It is early morning, and I have some things to share. I have, um, on the day as I go about my work and through my day, sometimes I see many animals that are left wandering alone, and it hurts me so much because these are beautiful creatures that God created and they have a purpose. And there are many times just left running freely, not a, nobody caring for them, nobody looking out for them, and just so beautiful. And it hurts my heart so much. The other day I saw a, a, a beautiful cream-colored Great Pyrenees just wandering out in the street, I slowed and he turned and looked and then got up on the sidewalk out of the road. And this was a busy street and my heart just ached. And then a short while later, I saw a beautiful, beautiful cat that had been struck. And, you know, I think about these animals that are out there and, and nobody cares for them. There's a there's an area where I live, it's a park and this lady goes every day, she takes food up there to feed these and it's a, an area and people just bring their dogs, they get tired of them and they dump them, just dump them off. She's witnessed it many times, people come up at night and they have these crates in the back of their truck and they just open them and dump the dogs and they take off and leave them and the dogs just sit there and they wonder what they've done. And sometimes they run after the car as it speeds up to get away. And then they're just left there. And she comes up with food every day for them. Brothers and sisters, I share with you now that these creatures that God created, they do have feelings. They don't understand things. They don't communicate with us because they can't speak like we do. They can't talk to us, but they understand far more than we give them credit for. They hurt, they're confused. And especially if they've been with a family for a, a while and they think that that's their forever home and then they just get dumped off and left. It hurts my heart. God commanded his prophet, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah, I can't remember, exactly the chapter. I'll have to find that so I can share it with you. But God commanded his prophet to speak to the nation and tell them, 
tell the people that whosoever does this thing to these creatures that I have created for no good reason makes me angry. God created them. He created all things. And hurting them for no apparent reason whatsoever, just because of your arrogance or you're tired of them or whatever, and it hurts. And I'm sharing this with you because through the course of my day, I talk to God. I pray on my going out, my coming in for you, my brothers and sisters, for your strength to have up, upright strength and good courage because the things of darkness are coming and it's just a very dark place that we live in here, but we have to reflect that light, that light of Jesus Christ that is in our heart and the light of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And I'm sharing this with you because as I was talking to God, I was talking to my father, Abba. I told him and I asked if it would be all right if I shared this, and he said yes. I told him, you know, how my heart was hurting. And I shared with him, you know, about how dark the world is and all the, the pain and everything and how much I love these creatures. And I told him, I wish I could save them all. And you know, God spoke to me. And he said simply, me too. But he wasn't talking just about the animals. He was talking about those he sent his son to sacrifice for. The blood that Jesus Christ was sent to redeem us, to give us the opportunity. And God said, me too. He wants us all to have that opportunity. That's why he asked Jesus to come. He didn't command him. Jesus set his crown down and he stepped off of his throne and he said, I'll go. I'll go. I'll do it. For every one of us to have the opportunity to be saved, to believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, the Creator and Sovereign Lord of all. And in Jesus' sacrifice and being crucified, when he got ready to leave and return to heaven, he said, I will have the Father send a comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be with us and to guide us. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to share with you now out of Romans, the eighth chapter, starting in the 24th verse. For we are saved by hope, hope being faith. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what is man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we 
with patience wait for it. Our faith, we don't know when and we don't see it, brothers and sisters, but our hope, our faith is in what we cannot see. Faith in God. God only asks that we believe in his only begotten son and that we have faith in him. And this is what Paul's letter to the church in Rome is talking about. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? We will have that opportunity. It's promised us that we will be and spend eternity in heaven with God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and our loved ones who went before and who are no longer here with us. That is hope. Remember, brothers and sisters, in the book of Hebrews 11.1, he talks about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hope and faith, brothers and sisters. Verse 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit within us, if we are confused and we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit will help. It will intercede for us. It will help our prayers. And brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit oft speaks in heavenly language and we cannot understand. And if we pray in the Spirit, that is heavenly language. It's like a direct line, not a party line that can be intercepted or understood, but a direct line to heaven. The Holy Spirit will guide our utterance. It will guide our prayers And it will intercede for us, brothers and sisters. And when Paul is talking about infirmities, it's not necessarily talking about illness like COVID or the flu or pneumonia or a cold. Infirmities can be many things, things that are uh, discomforting to us, unsettling to us, things that are around us in this dark place that we live in because, brothers and sisters, the world is is dark. And there are people that are filled with such anger and animosity. And they're looking at Christians to blame for so many things. And they're looking for anyone to blame for anything. They have become so offended in these days of the slightest thing at all. I shared with you the other night that happened. And immediately the spirit took my eyes and I saw it was almost like a flashlight was lighting up these amulets and this medallion that this person was wearing. It was from the church of Satan. 
So his spirit was a wicked spirit. And it came to me and I did nothing but try to help. And the language that came out of that sewer mouth was just obnoxious and screaming loudly to draw any bit of attention that he could to himself and what was going on. But the only thing of it is that there was nothing going on. I was trying to be helpful, but yet he became offended. I still am not sure as to what, but the spirit stepped forward and ushered him away, protected me, guarded me, and was there with me, and I could feel it. And I could feel the arms wrapping around me and holding me tight to comfort because I could feel the trembling within me that my old, the, the devil, the enemy wanted my old spirit to come out and come up and lash out and be aggressive and return what this person was giving but that's not what I'm about. Not what I'm about. Continuing in verse 27, and he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things which work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Remember, brothers and sisters, I spoke of that higher love. It's God's love that we have in us. We have that. And we are called according to his purpose, and that purpose is to shine the light into this dark place to share the gospel of Jesus Christ who came and sacrificed himself for us so that we could all have the opportunity to be saved. Verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? None. God is sovereign over all. These things that go on about us, I, I share with you, brothers and sisters, we need to be like he told Joshua. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded thee to be of good courage? Be not afraid nor dismayed, for I am. Am your Lord thy God, I am with you whithersoever thou goest. He's with us. Here's a reminder in the New Testament that was in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua. 
Here in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans. If God be for us, who can be against us? And that is God's love. For God so loved the world. That two-letter word again, brothers and sisters. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, my brothers and sisters, is the bottom line. That's it, period. God said it. I believe it, period. These are promises that he's reminding the church in Rome you have to understand that the church in Rome was having a bit of difficulty because they were encompassed as many churches where the church in Philippi was the same thing. It was an outpost church. Smack dab in the middle of Roman Empire, Greek provinces or counties or whatever you would like to call them. They were right smack in the middle and they had things going on all around them. The church in Rome, right smack in the middle of Roman idolatry, pagan worship, and they were having a hard time. But Paul is reminding them, exhorting them, as I do you, brothers and sisters, we have nothing to fear. Now, I want to tell you this. It's not wrong to be afraid, but don't be fearful. You understand? I get a little nervous when there's new things coming or, or a detour in the road that my faith in God tells me is the road, that detours the road. If God's guiding me down there, and he's with me, I'm a little bit afraid, but I'm not fearful. I'm not so full of fear that it's going to freeze me up. That's the difference. A little bit of being afraid is okay, 
because we're unsure. But then as soon as you feel God grab your right hand with his strong hand and his love that just comes coursing through your body, that all goes away. Remember this too, brothers and sisters, that fear is a pseudonym for the devil. He is called the accuser. He is called the prince of the air. He is called Lucifer. He's called Beelzebub. He's also called fear. And one of the things that Satan loves to throw at us is false evidence appearing real. He wants us to be fearful. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed for us. Rebuke it. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Yeshua, man. There is nothing to be fearful of, for God is with us whithersoever we go. Be strong. Don't stand down. Don't step aside and compromise. Don't be confrontational. Remember this too, brothers and sisters. God doesn't need us to defend him. We don't need to argue with somebody about the word of God and what's in the word of God. Whatever God has us to do in righteousness, that's all we have to do. And God will handle the rest. If people choose not to hear it, then that's fine. If you share something with somebody and they're argumentative or, or they leave and you're doubtful or what happened, don't fret about that. You planted a seed and you don't know if that seed you planted is going to grow or not. Maybe you don't see that person again, but don't let that become a sticking point. Pray over that seed you planted. Pray over that person. And if they don't respond, that's not on you. You gave them the opportunity. You gave them the chance. And as God created us all with that freedom of choice, to choose to listen. Remember, brothers and sisters, it's in a number of places in the Bible. And in the first seven chapters of the book of Revelation, it's stated eight times. They that have ears, let them hear. And if they choose not to listen, that's entirely on them. But be righteous in it. Be truthful in it. Don't be argumentative and confrontational. That's not our place. The battle is not ours to handle. And remember that Jesus, when he sent the disciples out and he told them, said, don't take anything with you. He said, you go and you knock. And if you're offered hospitality and they want to hear the word and what you have to share, then go in, partake and bless the house. And if they refuse you, they slam the door in your face and shake off the dust from your feet and don't bless them and leave. 
You don't become confrontational and start banging on the door with your walking staff and kicking at the door and hollering and screaming. That gets nowhere. I think I shared with you that there's a, a, a man that I encounter quite often and not so much anymore because I think the Spirit's trying to keep him, <laughs> keep him at bay. But this individual, and I pray for him because there are things that are bound in him. He's got some great afflictions and uh, addictions that he's dealing with, both in the liquid form and chemical form. And you can see a difference in night and day when he's not involved in that and when he's sober or straight. But here's the thing, too, is that this person does know scripture but he's also very confrontational about it and that's not a good thing to be and when he shares that outwardly and he has on several occasions which I have had to rebuke him and dismiss him and the spirit has just taken a hold of him and walked him right out I don't have to get involved. I didn't have to raise my voice. I didn't have to do anything because that battle is not mine. And God doesn't want us involved in that sort of thing. He really doesn't. As I've shared with you before, that Jesus Christ only one time became confrontational. And that's when the money changers were cheating the people and keeping them from coming to worship God and doing so in making a profit by it. The money changers had turned the house of God into a den of thieves. He became angry, and he tossed the tables, and he kicked them out. Every other time that Jesus encountered anyone, anyone at all, the Pharisees were very aggressive in a lot of things that they did, and they tried to trap him. Jesus didn't become confrontational. He just spoke the truth. And many times that confounded them even more so. And I think what troubled their mind, of course, I wasn't in their head, but I'm just trying to interpolate here, was the fact that they couldn't get him riled up. Even when he was taken before Pontius Pilate and they cried about him to be guilty and they were going to crucify him they wanted him crucified Pilate told him he said I find no fault in this man not that he would be guilty unto death I he's innocent as far as I'm concerned this was the governor the the one who was to pronounce the law of everyone there that was what he did and the Romans were the hard-fisted, tyrannical. They had the people subjugated under their, under their thumb. Their governor found him innocent. And when asked, Jesus 
didn't become confrontational with him. He just answered him plainly, simply, with truth. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're to do. Simply, gently, the truth. If it's in righteousness and is spoken and from the word of God, we are justified. I just shared that with you. We are justified by God. We do not need or require the validation of any man or woman on this planet. No one here do we require their validation. The only validation that we should be concerned of is that God will look upon us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my son, my daughter, my child. You did well. That's the only validation that we need. That's the only validation I need. That's the only validation I care about. Quite honestly, no one listens to this. That's okay. I do it because it's truth. I do it because it's the word of God. I do it because that's my purpose, to afford everyone the opportunity to hear the word. And if you get from this exhortation, lifting your spirits, then, I, then that's good. That's a good thing. That's, that's my purpose, brothers and sisters, to encourage you, to enrich, and maybe point something out to you that you didn't know about. That's all I'm about, the word of God. This is not for me. This is not for Raven Whitehawk to say, yeah, boy, Raven, thing. oh man, that's great. I don't care, honestly. And I would much rather stand with God and for God and by his word and be judged of any man or woman on this planet than to stand in validation of man or woman here and then have to worry about being judged by God because I turned away from him and was more concerned with validation of mammon. And I'm not. I won't be. I pray that if the time would come that someone would take hold of me and say, are you a Christian? And in a much more threatening way than many are now, that I have the strength to be upright and say, yes, I am. I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Well, you're going to go meet him. Okie dokie. I'm ready. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we would not see that time to come. But there are places in this world where our brothers and sisters are going through that now. And these uh, camps that they're talking about wanting to build here, the question starts spinning in my mind. I'm not worried about it. 
really. I'm just thinking about it because I tend to do things like that. I was an instructor in the military and things that I see that are going on around here. These camps that are being talked about that we should build by these persons that are pushing socialism, which ultimately becomes communism. I mean, you look at the United Soviet Socialist Republic. Oh my goodness gracious. Does anybody not remember that? And then you have China began as a socialist country that it was going to be good for everyone, and it's not. And then you have North Korea, same thing, it's not. And then half a dozen or more countries in South America that said the same thing, and they're not. And yet they're saying that it's going to be different here. It won't be. But I pray, too, that we would not see that happen. But brothers and sisters, that's another chapter. And there are things that are going on in this world now that are in the Bible, that are in the book. I've shared some of them with you. I've shared some of the uh, books and the verses. If you plug in and you take out a out Bible speech and you plug in USA or the word America in there, Oh my goodness gracious, profound. But at the same time, Paul wrote to Timothy and exhorted him that we must pray for all the kings and governors and princes. I'm just, and that, that's Bible speak for the kings and princes. That's Bible speak for presidents and governors. And we must do that. Some of their actions are so egregious to people. Ugh. But we still need to pray for them. The ideologies are the abomination, not the person. And if they choose not to change... Then when the Lord comes, as the Bible tells us and the word tells us, the truth tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God is sovereign. And then what are they going to say? Either they're going to say it to themselves or to the person kneeling next to them, why didn't we listen? Why didn't we listen when they told us so? Then it will be too late. Anyway, brothers and sisters, I love you. I pray for your strength, your courage, your uprightness. And I pray that these words that I share out of the Bible, this is where they come from, and what I share with you is truth. And I do so for the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ that we share that with one another because that's what we're called to do. That is our purpose. You have a blessed day. Have a great day. I love you all.